Hello there. Before we start the episode, I just wanted to give you a quick update on our Amazon gift card giveaway. We've gotten some new reviews, which is awesome, but remember, you have to send us a screenshot of your positive iTunes review so that we can get in touch and send our randomly selected winner a $50 Amazon gift card. You can tweet your screenshot to us at MythsPodcast, send it to our Facebook page, or email it to us at MythsPodcast at gmail.com. The giveaway ends January 1st, so you've got roughly a month left to get those reviews and screenshots in. That's it. Now enjoy the show. In Hertfordshire, England, in 1678, a unique pamphlet was published that told a creepy supernatural story of alleged diabolical activity. The pamphlet was printed in the traditional woodcut style of that time period and was titled The Mowing Devil, or Strange News Out of Hertfordshire. It told the story of a wealthy farmer who tried to hire his poor neighbor to mow or cut down and harvest his small field of oats. The neighbor asked for much higher wages than the farmer had expected, and was rebuffed. After thinking it over for a minute, he chased after the farmer and told him that he would lower his rate, but the farmer, still angry, told his neighbor that he'd rather have his fields mowed by the devil himself than hire the poor man after the amount that he'd asked to be paid. This is where the story becomes a cautionary tale of being careful what you wish for, because that very night, multiple passers-by witnessed the farmer's oat crop completely engulfed in flames. The next morning, the farmer reluctantly went down to the field to survey the damage, but was stunned to see that his crop was not at all burnt, but had been perfectly mowed by a skillful unseen hand. What's more, it had been cut in precise circles. The pamphlet describes it this way. The inquisitive farmer no sooner arrived at the place where his oats grew, but to his admiration, he found the crop was cut down ready to his hands. And if the devil had a mind to show his dexterity in the art of husbandry, and scorned to mow them after the usual manner, he cut them in round circles, and placed every straw with that exactness that it would have taken up above an age for any man to perform what he did that one night. And the man that owns them is as yet afraid to remove them. You're listening to Myths and Mysteries. A giant, hairy creature, part ape, part man. Indians call him Sasquatch. There are busts of King Tut that also show an elongated skull. Taunting the police, chiding them, daring them to capture him. And finally, he invented a name for himself, Jack the Ripper. Analysis of the grand features suggests that this animal was indeed at least 40 feet long. He could have easily eaten up a man. I expect that we'll keep looking um, from now on until we find him or find out what happened. crop circle researchers and enthusiasts do not consider the story of the mowing devil to be the first recorded crop circle and eliminate it because the oat stalks were cut, whereas in crop circles as we know them today, the plants are always bent. 
but there is a little-known account from 1964 in Cumbria, northern England, in which a column of blue light or flame was seen, roughly 8 feet in diameter and 15 feet tall, which vanished and left a perfect circle of seemingly, quote, lightly raked over ground. This description is very similar to the mowing devil's description of a field on fire, so perhaps the mowing devil story does matter after all. But maybe we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. We should probably start with a description of what a crop circle is. Crop circles are what they sound like, a formation made into a large field of crops, usually a type of grain. They are usually circles, hence the name, but in recent years have developed to include many different geometric shapes and patterns. The formations are made by pressing the stalks flat, with a perfect 90-degree bend made just inches above the ground. Often, sections of pressed-down stalks are overlapped by neighboring sections within the crop circle, which are then overlapped by other sections, forming an intricate pattern that is similar to a weave. The modern-day crop circle phenomenon began in Australia in the 1960s and became more widespread throughout the 70s and 80s, before an early 90s crop circle explosion that numbered over 1,200 crop circle formations. It was around this point that the formations began to introduce more and more complex, intricate designs, the largest of which have covered hundreds of thousands of feet in size. Now, let's get one thing out of the way right now. Before we get any deeper into crop circle phenomenon, Crop circles can be made easily in a single night by two people using materials that most people have laying around in their garage. In 1991, two men named Doug Bauer and Dave Chorley revealed that they had been making crop circles all over England since 1978 using just boards, rope, and a baseball cap with a wire attached. They demonstrated their prowess to a group of journalists by using their method to create a crop circle that was then shown to an unknowing crop formation expert who declared that it was legitimate and not man-made. Colin Andrews, who has been one of the leading researchers of the crop circle phenomenon for over 30 years, has stated that 80% of crop circles are man-made hoaxes. So please don't think that we are ignorant of the fact that many crop circles are faked. It's that last 20% that we're interested in. The most popular crop circle theory is that their origins are extraterrestrial. Many believe that crop circles are made as messages from an advanced race or celestial intelligence. There are stories of spacecraft whose shape exactly matched some of the first known crop circles, as well as eyewitness accounts of balls of light that hover and fly over fields where crop circles appear. One simple reason for the widespread belief in crop circles being made by aliens is that the shapes are so perfect, and in many cases complex, that they couldn't have formed naturally or as a result of weather, but rather had to have been designed by some type of intelligence, but that they also couldn't have been done by humans because of time constraints, no sign of human presence in the area, etc., etc. Another major point in favor of the extraterrestrial explanation is that there is evidence of extreme heat in the bent plant stalks as if they were hit with some form of energy to soften and bend them. The late American biophysicist William Levengood extensively studied many samples of plants taken from crop circles and found some startling 
but consistent similarities between them. The grain nodes of the plants within the circles underwent physical changes that were consistent with being heated. Heating the stalk softened it, allowing it to bend, and turning the moisture inside into steam. The steam would escape from the node in one of two ways, stretching or elongating the nodes on softer-skinned plants, or blowing a hole out the side of the node on tougher-skinned plants. Levengood was able to replicate the plant's node changes by putting plant stalks into a microwave oven for a few seconds. Despite this damage, the plants continue to grow in their new prone position. In many cases, the unbent crops outside the circle showed similar changes in node size, although to a lesser extent. Levengood also found that if the plant seeds were still immature when the crop circle event occurred, the seeds were killed or rendered unable to grow. But, if the seeds had already reached maturity, they would not only grow, but would grow quickly and would reach larger-than-normal proportions, indicating that whatever energy had interacted with the plant had caused permanent physical changes to the seeds. A later study by physicist Eltio Hasselhoff found that the physical change in the plants was greatest at the center of the crop circle and gradually fell off in a circular pattern the farther from the center they were located. Hasselhoff also discovered that even under controlled conditions, the seeds from the bent plants grew much more slowly than untouched plants, and that traces of the crop circle's shapes could be seen in the following year's crops, quote, suggesting long-term damage to the crop field consistent with Levengood's observations of stunted seed growth. In layman's terms, crop circles don't just affect the plants. They affect the ground where the shapes appear, enough to cause changes that last for at least a year. In another experiment performed in Germany, a bowl of distilled water was placed inside a crop circle for a while, and then examined under a spectrograph. It was discovered that the water molecules had rearranged themselves into a pattern that exactly mirrored the shape of the crop circle formation itself. It was as if the water had been reprogrammed at a molecular level by whatever energy had created the crop circle in the first place. Another bullet point under the heading of extraterrestrial origin is that they feature mathematics known as sacred geometry. In crop circles with multiple features in them, every line or geometric shape is always in direct proportion to every other feature inside the formation. This is an incredible amount of complexity and design that makes it increasingly unlikely that a few people with planks and ropes could pull it off in a single night. English space engineer Roy Dutton has discovered that the spiral pattern of the fallen stalks corresponds to a precise mathematical model shared by all of the, quote, authentic crop circle formations, and that the inside of the circle is part of a spiral vortex in which the stalks at the outer edge lay down in the opposite direction of the spiraled stalks that make up the rest of the circle. More recent, progressively complex crop circle formations display the Fibonacci progression, in which every circle's diameter is exactly equal to the diameter of the previous two circles. In the 1990s, 
formations began to appear that were made using fractals, complex mathematical calculations that are impossible to make without using a computer. The first fractal crop circle formation occurred in 1991 near Cambridge University, where the founder of fractal diagrams had taught. His colleagues at the university agreed that the formation was too perfect to be a hoax. It's also been established that the geometric relationship between the patterns contained in some crop formations is exactly equivalent to the mathematical relationship between two notes on a piano. Which means that some of the shapes pressed into wheat fields across England are the visual representation of actual sounds. Perhaps the wildest of all the evidence for an extraterrestrial crop circle origin is a discovery made by Professor Richard Hoagland, a NASA consultant who is most well known for studying the so-called monuments in the Sedonia Valley on Mars. Hoagland discovered that the mathematical and geographical composition of the Sedonia Valley site was a match to the ancient Avebury sacred site in England. Furthermore, according to Hoagland, the topography of the two sites, one on Mars, one in England, is the exact same, as if both were made according to the same ancient blueprint. Crop circles appear regularly around Avebury, as if to draw attention to its seemingly extraterrestrial layout. Another popular theory regarding the origin of crop circles is that they are connected to ancient spiritual energy. Crop circles are often found near ancient sacred sites including Avebury and Stonehenge. Avebury in particular is the site of an ancient megalithic stone monument that once covered more than three and a half miles and consisted of more than 700 giant stones, including the world's largest stone circle. Sadly, not much remains today, but it's believed that the serpentine megalith was built on a site of mystical earth energy that can be conducted through the stones. It's said that this energy is still active on the site today and can easily be detected with dousing instruments. Attributing crop circles to ancient mystical religions seems hokey at best, but there is some evidence that, at the very least, makes you wonder. Consider this. One formation, which appeared in England in 1992, contained an ancient Sumerian cuneiform symbol, which roughly translates to the righteous ones with the heavenly chariots of fire. This exact symbol had also been seen on a UFO by a policeman in New Mexico in the 1960s. In another formation, this time in Germany, a man with a metal detector discovered three metal plates buried at the center of a crop circle formation. One plate was bronze, one was silver, and the last was gold, and all three had the exact image of the surrounding crop circle formations stamped on them. It was a shape that recalls golden tablets of the gods from an old German mythology. In addition, there have been crop circle photographs discovered in recent years that relate to the passing of comets in ways that Professor Hesseman says that the average prankster just could not have understood. Perhaps the, quote, Earth energy and the extraterrestrial theory are somehow connected. In many ancient religions, the circle was a symbol for unity between man, the universe, and the gods. Perhaps crop circles are made as a way of reminding humanity that there are things in the universe bigger than himself.
believe that crop circles occur naturally. There are plenty of theories. Whirlwinds, tornadoes, and ball lightning have all been suggested. A meteorologist named Terence Maiden theorized in 1980 that crop circles were created by what he called a plasma vortex. The science behind the plasma vortex theory is incredibly complicated and difficult for the average person, like me, to understand, but the watered-down version is that electrical storms in the upper atmosphere exchange energy with the ionosphere, creating heated ion plasma which shoots a vortex of energy down through the atmosphere, which could explain the heating and spiraling of the plant stalks inside a crop circle formation. Or something. The plasma vortex theory began to fall apart as crop circle formations became increasingly complex and included a growing variety of geometric shapes besides mere circles, and today it's not considered to be very likely. Another interesting theory is that the crop circles are caused by a large object or Lovecraftian entity from another dimension, briefly crossing through our own dimension. This theory states that the shapes made in crop circles are basically a profile image of the interdimensional being's shape. For example, picture a round pencil puncturing a sheet of paper. The pencil would leave a circular hole in the paper, giving you the pencil's outline at its widest point, but it wouldn't show the pencil's three-dimensional shape, how it's narrow at the point and gradually increases in diameter until reaching its full width. In this way, it's theorized that a massive object or entity could pass instantaneously through our dimension, leaving only the round pencil hole of its shape, leaving us to guess at its true three-dimensional size. Are you confused yet? Good. So am I. The last theory we'll mention was suggested by Colin Andrews in 2000. Andrews stated that the 20% of crop circle formations which he believes to be genuine might be caused by a three-degree shift in Earth's magnetic field. So as you can see, the theories are varied, and each one is both lots of fun and lots of crazy. Could all crop circles simply be explained away as hoaxes? Are they messages from extraterrestrial beings? Are they something else? Let's see if we can figure it out. is a great episode, Zach, and uh, I appreciate you taking the time to, to write all of this information down. There are episodes that I'm really glad when they're over, whether that be for some sort of dark detail or the amount of work involved. And in this particular one, I'm glad to, to, have, it, to have it put out because no self-respecting mystery podcast could could continue on without doing a crop circle episode, but this uses every single bit of my brain's capacity to try and understand. I think I sprained several of my brain cells researching and writing this episode. <laughs> there are portions of this episode that I I studied and I wrote sections of the episode that I have no idea what I actually wrote because I don't understand it. <laughs> At least not enough to, to be able to converse fluently about it. It really has been one of our most uh, mind-boggling episodes. And at the very least, I think we can both say that we've learned... A ton of things. We may not completely understand some of these concepts, but we've certainly gotten quite the education and some 
biological, biophysical, scientific elements. And so would you say, after all of these things, that you are any closer with all the knowledge that you've accrued to actually solving the mystery of crop circles? Nope. I don't think I am either. <laughs> Thank you for listening to this episode of Myths and Mysteries. <laughs> uh, no, I think I understand just enough that I could now throw plasma vortex into conversation at a party and just pray that the other person didn't have a follow-up question because you know i i I like to say i know just enough to be dangerous i guess yeah i'd have to i'd have to go straight into probably flux capacitor territory at that point um and, and leave out all the actual science but i think possibly the one thing we could speak somewhat educatedly about is whether or not they can all be attributed to hoaxes. And I'm pretty sure you're going to join me in saying that not all crop circles can be attributed to being uh, made by pranksters. I think it's difficult to say in any situation that's as large as this one, we have literally hundreds of years of reported crop circle sightings. I think it's difficult to say that any one large topic or activity or element like this could be done in one specific way, that they're all hoaxes. Um, I think people hundreds of years ago that were involved in these, they wouldn't have had the same fascination and interest in these things as we would. It wouldn't cause an outrage and, and UFO sightings and, and all of these things. And so I have a hard time believing that any one uh, story could be consistent with only being hoaxes or only being one thing. Right. And, you know, speaking of these experiences from, you know, the long ago past, you know, I don't think that the guy in the 17th century really had his wheat cut in circles by the devil. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's what... Well, then we're in totally different camps. <laughs> but that's what, at that point in time, these sorts of unexplainable things were attributed to. And now, um, in now the 21st century we're more quick to attribute them to extraterrestrials than we would be to the devil. One of the reasons that people jump so quickly to the extraterrestrial theory, and we brought it up many times previously in this episode, is the complexity, the level of complexity in some of these crop circles and the designs. And um, it just seems with some of the crazy, crazy elements of, of what would what it would take to do these in a night, that it couldn't be done by just a couple of, of pranksters. Your thoughts? I agree. Um, you would have to have just a remarkable individual who, you know, is both practical enough to figure out how to actually boots on the ground, go into the field and make the crop circle, make it exactly perfect with no mistakes, and also leave no evidence of yourself walking in and out. You also, at the same time, have to be someone who understands geometry and you know in some of the more modern ones fractals and sacred geometry and in some of them ancient sumerian symbols and you'd have to be a remarkable person who could put all of those things together and then be able to carry it out it seems to me like based on the fact that we think it would have to be a group of people the level of intelligence that all of those people would have to have not only to understand how to create these designs, but then to execute them. Two things that you said um, just now that, that I took note of. One is that you'd have to have boots on the ground, so you'd have to have people willing to do this and people that were able to do it. But one of the documentaries we watched illustrated that in a lot of these footprints are clearly visible, and usually they can look back and say, okay, 
this is a farmer's set of footprints. Sir, you were here. You walked in. These are your footprints. And the answer is yes. And then they walk out to do the studying, and immediately some of these these plants crumble under their feet. So there's no no footprints. And a second thing that you said is that they're doing them perfectly, and they are. So not only do they have the design perfect that would have taken a, a computer to be smart enough to design it, but also the people that are executing the plan are doing it perfectly. And some of these circles are covering hundreds of thousands of square feet. So how do you do that? And it's not only that, it's that they're doing it perfectly, but nobody ever sees the uh, crop circles being made, despite the fact that there are places in England where crop circles appear every year within the same part of the year. People know to look out for them. They're going to appear, and still nobody sees them being made, despite the fact that they're almost always made near roads so that they will be seen. You know, nobody sees anyone making them. Nobody catches somebody in the act. Nobody finds a crop circle with a mistake in it. Nobody finds um, the practice crop circles in the backyard somewhere. So, you know, it's just all you ever find are perfect finished crop circles. And it's, it's, that's one of the biggest things to me. And in one of the documentaries that I watched, they interviewed multiple people who all said the same thing. Like, where are the practice ones? Where are the bad ones? Where are the ones that didn't work out? And they just don't exist. Right. And we've seen in most all of these cases that when they look at the biology and how it's been affected and these plants that are that are mashed down or cut or whatever, the ones that are not cut have this evidence of being superheated, at least temporarily. And it's not like somebody's running around out there with a blow dryer. <laughs> I mean, so at, at some point, these places near the road where people are going by, there's somebody out there with some sort of equipment that is superheating these plants and causing them to literally steam inside of the stalks and nobody's seeing this? That was another big thing for me, is that what kind of equipment, if it's all done by hoaxers, would you be using out there that you could heat the stalks? I mean, like you mentioned, a blow dryer, you'd literally be going stock by stock, and we're talking thousands upon thousands of stalks. You'd have to have big enough equipment to get it done that you would be seen and it would leave marks. Like, it's just, I really can't explain how it happens. And not only that, but uh, in some of them, you we mentioned how you have sort of a weave of stalks from, say, the right-hand side are pressed down and stalks from the left hand are on top of the right. And then stalks from the right are back on top of the ones from the left that are on top of the ones from the right. And you just have these stalks from different layers and sort of layering over each other. And it's just, it's the intricacy of it. I have a hard time believing that even a team of professionals, if there were such a thing as professional crop circlers, uh, <laughs> I have a hard time believing that even they could do it. Also, th that can't be a job that pays very much. I can't imagine that'd be something I'd want to do. And where are the conspiracy theories? Like, where are the government conspiracy theories on this one? Like, who thinks that maybe it's just... Uh, you know, a ship, you know, it's that they've using, you know, the alien technology that they've gotten from Roswell and they're just doing this to just mess with us and drive everybody crazy. Like, raise your hand if you think that that's probably what this is. I want to know where the, where the conspiracy theorists are on that one. Oh, it exists. It exists. Doing the research for this episode, <laughs> I found that particular little corner of the internet and it's weird. <laughs> 
something else that, you know, if we step away from the extraterrestrial theory for a while, something else is that some of the sites where you get repeat crop circles every year are important sites. You have the, um, for example, the uh, ancient sacred sites of Avebury and Stonehenge. And I know you had done a little poking into crop circles appearing over ancient aquifers. Yeah, there's a consistent number of these crop circles in this specific area of England where there's a giant aquifer that kind of runs through the central and southeastern area um, that I found in one of the documentaries that we watched. And there are certainly crop circles that are seen in other parts, but the vast majority, I mean, maybe something like 75% of them all occur within this specific area that is an aquifer running underneath of it. And I know uh, aquifer running water is at least a place where energy might be able to be created or to gather, which uh, was something that you and I talked about, maybe a, a theory that you were talking about with your wife recently. Yeah, I was talking to my wife actually in the car today, and um, I was explaining all the different theories and, you know, ways that I have you know, just totally destroyed my brain trying to wrap it around all of this information. <laughs> and I was saying, you know, and part of it is that there's these sacred, these sacred sites where there's supposedly energy in the ground that can be accessed through the stones and stuff. And she goes, you know, that sounds weird, but it kind of makes sense because she goes, the most logical way for this formation to happen without anybody seeing it is if it comes from underground. If there's an energy that comes up from underground, and so there is nothing to actually see because nothing actually appears above ground. You know, if there was an energy that, you know, a heat energy in the ground that created steam, and the steam rises up from the ground, makes the plants soft, and then they bend. And, you know, while it's a crazy theory that requires a lot of things to all happen at the same time, it's like anything with crop circles, you also can't really rule it out. It does seem to be that way in a lot of different areas, and... While it may not be the easiest theory to explain, it might not be as easy as somebody out there with a rope and a baseball cap and some wire, when we look around our planet, our universe, the human body, we do see an incredible amount of mathematics um, and machinery, the way that things work. So I guess it wouldn't be a shock if uh, some sort of energy field or something caused within the ground or, or underground was able to affect something in kind of a mathematical intelligent organized kind of way and here's something that really bugs me about it right is that these stalks are heated enough that they soften and bend and the moisture inside the plant is turned to steam to the point that the steam has to find a way out of the plant but despite this the plants are not burned on the outside so somehow they're hit with heat energy that is the exact temperature that's needed to make the changes that are required, but not burn the plant. That, to me, blows my mind. So if anybody can explain that to me, please do. That will probably be the final straw, and I'll spend the rest of my life in an institution because my brain will be completely wrecked. It would have to be such a completely exact temperature that it is, like you said, mind-boggling. Well, we've discussed, I think, most of the things that we have a grasp on. We've talked a little bit about the sightings. We've talked about what we think it could be, couldn't be, the fact that at least some of these out there have to be something beyond just hoaxers, pranksters, and we see crop circles in literally just about every continent except Antarctica because they probably have no <laughs> crops. So anything else that we want to cover or talk about before we uh, sign off? 
Do you want to take a stab at what you think it might possibly be? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I had to take a stab, I think it's safe to say that a lot of these things that we're seeing are hoaxes. When it comes right down to it, the the heating that we talked about, the intelligence and exactness of it, frankly, I'm, I'm left just confused. Uh, I know it's not good radio. I, I like the thought of energy being used uh, maybe by uh, aquifer or something in the ground. I'm not quite sure it covers everything. So at the very end, I'm I'm left, honestly, with more questions, I think, than when I came in. I think you said it best is that it's really hard to just narrow it down to one thing. Um, if I had to do that, I think what I would actually go with, and we didn't even really discuss it much in the discussion segment that we've just done, but the theory of the interdimensional travel, um, I think I mentioned in one of our earlier episodes, um, the Bermuda Triangle one, I think, that I do believe that there are multiple dimensions, and I do believe that it's possible and and likely and probable that there's travel between them. I have also read the works of H.P. Lovecraft, so, uh, you know, I kind of like the idea of this big being or object or whatever it is floating around and traveling between dimensions, and, you know, I, I, that might be a, a more logical... I don't know about logical, but more like the reason for why nobody sees anything, because it's a split second, and it's through, and it's gone, and so... While it seems crazy and it sounds crazy to me that I'm saying this and recording it so other people can hear me admitting it, <laughs> uh, if I had to pick one, I would probably go with the interdimensional travel. There are many things out there that we do not and may never completely understand. There are, is a reason that we're so fascinated by the possibility and thought of supernatural things going on, of interdimensional travel, and so crop circles goes onto the list of, of things that we may just never be able to solve. listening to our most mind-boggling episode of Myths and Mysteries, don't forget, we're trying to give you stuff. We want to add to our reviews and want to reward you for helping us. Anyone who leaves us a review on Apple Podcasts then tweets us a picture of that review to at MythsPodcast or sends us a Facebook message or emails us a picture of that review at MythsPodcast at gmail.com will be immediately entered into a drawing for a $50 Amazon gift card. Subscribe to have our newest episodes downloaded right to your device and connect with the show on social media, email, or go to our website, mythsandmysteriespod.com. We appreciate you guys so much. Stick around, because we'll be back in two weeks to tackle the legend of black dogs and hellhounds. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye.